Hello and welcome to the Use Because podcast. Deeper learning from the best business minds to ever put pen to paper. Bill Gates was asked a long time ago what what companies he fears uh, would take over Microsoft's uh, mantle as you know the, the number one software company and. Uh, he didn't name any of the big companies that were around at the time. What he said was that I'm afraid of some guy in his garage, some guy who has uh, some crazy idea to, that's going to come out of nowhere. And it's one of the things that Simon Sinek talks about in his book, Start With Why, that somebody that has a strong enough reason for existing is pretty much unstoppable. A lot of companies will talk about how they do what they do but very, very few companies talk about why they do it. Why does your company exist in the first place? And a lot of companies will, uh, when they're asked why they exist, they don't really understand the question. They'll talk about the, the, the features and benefits of, of what they do. And it could be because they, uh, they don't know why the company exists. They exist because we need to hit our targets this month. That's why we exist. But that's that's what you have to do. That's how you're going to do it. Like that, there. That's not the, that's not the the core reason for why the business exists. So in his book, start with why. Simon Sinek, uh, who has a great TED talk, by the way, if you haven't seen it, um, the TED talk essentially he's got. I think probably has a few of them by now. But you should always look up Simon Sinek's talks on YouTube or on TED. Um, he's a great speaker. Um, has great ideas and, and very succinct ideas about what leadership is and, and why companies should exist and so on. But this book is like a, a culmination of all of his learnings. Now the book is, I think, probably ten years old at this stage, but the ideas in it are, are timeless and universal. Really, start with why is all about um, having a strong enough reasons to why your business exists in the first place, and it's not some wishy-washy, uh, you know. Uh, sticking values on a wall kind of thing it's there has to be a real reason why it exists there has to be a real reason why you're driving the the how and the what so i've kind of spoiled the um the big reveal in the book that he talks about the the golden circle and the golden circle in the inside of the circle you work from the inside out of the circle um the the circle starts with why then it moves to how then it moves to what and you begin at the inside, right? Why the company exists in the first place. In the book, he talks a lot about Apple. Um, if you remember their, their ad about 1984, I think it was in 1984, about the book 1984, was kind of, you know, referencing that, that um, they said something like, we, we believe in, um, in challenging the status quo, um, the misfits and the, uh, the crazies, the, the people who, something like the people who think who are crazy enough to think they can't change the world are the ones who do. They didn't talk about computers. They didn't talk about anything. They talked about what they believe. And what they're really doing is they're setting up a tribe. And people identify them with Apple. They say, I could buy lots of different personal computers or phones or, or fancy watches. But I'm part of the Apple tribe. I believe what they believe. And Simon Sinek says it again and again in his TED Talk and in, in a YouTube um uh, presentations about the same thing and in this book he says it again and again he says that people don't buy what you do they buy why you do it and once you get your head around that and once you start to understand companies from that point of view you'll find that the vast vast majority of companies don't have a strong why they're not the market leaders because they're just a me too company they're a um they're an also ran or a journeyman of a, of a company 
but a company like Apple, which was the first company I believe to be a, a trillion dollar and then a two trillion dollar company, um, they they have a strong enough why that people buy into their tribe. So what Simon Sinek says in his book is that when a company has a strong why, they're fairly they're fairly unstoppable. Is is his point? So the book is broken down into a a few different um, uh, parts, and, and we'll get into those parts. The first part. Uh, is called A World That Doesn't Start With Why. And his point in this section of the book is to understand that success comes from not having lots of little patches along the way to make things correct. It's by having a, a core reason why the company exists in the first place. He talks about, uh, gives, I suppose it's an analogy. Oh, it's only barely an analogy. It's kind of like almost literal as well, but... The analogy he gives is, is a story he tells about these American car makers who visit a, um, a car manufacturing plant in Japan. And the American car makers, at one particular point of creating a car, manufacturing a car, they have to hit one of the doors with a, like a rubber mallet just to kind of get it into place. And the Japanese don't have to hit the door with a mallet. And the Japanese designers or the, the, the Japanese car manufacturers were like, well, we just designed it correctly in the first place, so that doesn't need to happen. If you do things right at the very beginning, by the time you get to, to a mallet hitting a door, it shouldn't have to happen because you've designed things correctly in the first place. So his point is that long-term success comes from starting with a reason why, that you should start with why, which is the, which is the, the name of the book. So once you understand why a company exists, the how and the what obviously have to be taken care of. There has to be strategy and discipline to to bring it to life and to make it happen but your starting point has to be why why does the company exist so he talks a bit about um uh i think martin luther king he talks about he was a very much a, a why guy right so um why there needs to be change in um in the american the american uh, civil movement but the why is no good unless you have the how and the what afterwards so he needed people to kind of like would strategize for him or with him and Will actually bring it to life but people buy into the why they don't they don't necessarily buy into the how and the what and the way he talks about this this golden circle is uh you've got the why in the middle the how and on uh, the next layer out and then the, the what on the outside that so but really what it is is a cone and then he goes on later in the book say it's not a cone it's a megaphone and i for anyone who's who's running a business who, who the business um kind of circles around if you like or the, the business the, the person who is like the, the the front of the business they have to shout through that megaphone all the time they have to shout why then how then what in that order so he talks about um general motors right gm they needed market share uh, back in the day so what they did is they dropped their prices and their sales went up but they were losing 729 dollars for every car that they were selling and uh, so they had to stop doing this this cashback thing that they were doing and their sales plummeted because people don't like sales promotions and that kind of stuff that'll work for a while in the short term and it might get you to hit your numbers this month but ultimately the the business will will suffer because people haven't they don't have any loyalty to your product they just go people are going to go for the cheapest one and that's what they do they go for the cheapest one and and then your competitor goes even cheaper again and now it's just an arms race to uh, to see who can hit rock bottom first and then start digging. So, and if you look at somebody like Apple, right? 
uh, they're, they're more expensive, right? Their, their stuff is way more expensive and yet people queue up around the block to buy their stuff because they're part of that tribe. Think of it this way. Think about the, the last thing that you purchased that uh, you really, really wanted. Right? That you really thought, um, whether it's, I don't know, a bottle of wine or a car or, um, you know, something that you were really like emotionally invested in. And think about how quickly you handed over the money. You couldn't pay for it quick enough because you didn't care what the price was. You just wanted the thing, whatever the thing was. So their point is that Apple don't really do discounts. They don't uh, They don't try and compete on price. They compete on, on, on you wanting to be uh, somebody who challenges the status quo. You want to be part of that cool tribe. Apple were the first ones to put their, their logo uh, the other way around on the lid of their laptops so that other people could see that you were using uh, an Apple Mac. Whereas Dell took them a long time to cop onto that. They, they'd have it so that when somebody opened the laptop, it was upside down for anyone who's looking at the laptop. What you're doing by putting the, the logo the correct way around for anyone looking, for anyone else looking at your laptop, is that they are, uh, you're kind of, you're putting the message out there that I'm part of this tribe and you could be part of this tribe too. He goes on then to talk about uh, the different things that companies do in the short term um, to to try and get you to 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 part with your money for their product. And he, there's different types of manipulation. One is the the price, right? They they make it cheaper, like I said. Another one is a uh, promotion, where they might give you like a, um, a a money back guarantee if you if you buy a car, we'll you know pay the tax or whatever it is for you. Another one is fear that uh, you know warning what will happen if you don't buy this product. Uh, another one is aspirations, uh, six easy steps to lose weight, that kind of thing, right? So if you do this, you'll be able to achieve blah, 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 blah. Peer endorsement, so like um, um, uh, celebs, you know, putting their name to Pam Olive shampoo or whatever it is. It's also social proof. Well, if it's good enough for Kim Kardashian, it's good enough for me. Uh, and then there's novelty that they use, like the, do you remember the Razer phone? Uh, they always talk about the types of metals that they use, different features. And then four years after that was launched, there was a 50% drop in their share price. If you think about this, I don't know if you remember the Creative Zen. That's what I had. I, I didn't have the iPod. I had a Creative Zen because I thought it was um, a better product than it was. Well, I don't know, was it? I, don't know, I didn't have the iPod to compare it to. I was only young, I suppose. But I always thought it was a better product. But he makes a point in this book as well that the, the Zen uh, Creative, they talked about the... The giggly squiggles, right? The, the the gigabits and the gigabytes that they were they were able to offer to somebody, um, the the lithium ion battery that you know they talked about all these kind of features and benefits, whereas the iPod talked about having a thousand songs in your pocket. It was just more visual and it was more more based on the like say Creative Zen was just very descriptive, whereas the iPod is more uh, more talking to the emotional part of your brain, I suppose. And now the Creative Zen, where is it? It was as good as if not better a product than the iPod. Um, and I think, I think I'm correct in saying that the Zen was actually before the iPod. And then the iPod came along and um, it was all about, you know, challenging the status quo. It was all about um, making sure that people felt they belonged to a, um, to a tribe, right? that tribalism. One thing, he, one point he makes about uh, these, these manipulation things is that some companies call it innovation, but really it's just novelty. And he makes the point about Colgate. He seems to have a bit of a problem with Colgate in the book. Colgate at the time of writing have uh, 32 varieties of toothpaste. 
And I know myself, um, I've gone to buy toothpaste and you think, gee, oh, Jesus Christ, which one am I supposed to buy? Um, here is a free business idea for anyone who wants it. I don't care. You can give me some shares if you like, but I just want to see this existing. You know when you go in to buy uh, shower gel or soap or, you know, whatever the thing is that you're trying to buy, it never just says what it is. It always says it's like moisturizing body milk. Like, what the fuck is that? What do I, is, do I use that before the shower, the after the shower, during the shower? When do I, what is it? I want to see a, a, a product called, the product will be called, this is dot, dot, dot. And underneath it, it'll say shampoo, conditioner, um, shower gel, right? Unscented shower gel, uh, green shower gel, right? Like, that's what I want to see. I want to see just a black bottle with this is dot, 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 shampoo. This is conditioner, right? Just tell me, don't, I don't need to know about moisturizing body milk and uh, the amount of coconuts you use to make it. I just tell me what it is. What do I do with this? Because same with toothpaste, you know, there's all these whitening and sensitive and um, just like, will it, will it make my teeth clean? Like, it's all the same stuff. We're, we're, we all know it, but we all go in and go, oh, this one looks interesting because the, the, the packet is slightly more colorful. So companies like Colgate, you can kind of say they've lost their way because they, you know, what's unique? I don't feel like, I'm, I don't feel any, like when I, th I think about Apple now, I'm not with Apple. I'm not an Apple customer, but I can understand it that people who are, uh, you know, to have the Macs and the, the, the watches and the, the phones and all, they love it. Right? They're, they're never, they're, they never move from it. But if you think about toothpaste, right, Colgate, I don't feel anything. I don't care. I go, I'll go for whichever one is the cheapest because there's uh, there's no tribalism involved. I don't feel like I'm part of a gang with my toothpaste. <laughs> it's a weird sentence, but it's true. Right? I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel any obligation uh, to, to buy their product. Whereas if I was with Apple and they came out with a new product, I'd probably have a good hard look at it and decide, do I really need this or not? And, um, you know, I'd feel like I, I, I want to add this to my collection of stuff that I have long to Apple. And people, people are queuing up around the block still to buy, to buy, um, to buy Apple products. So um, there's something to be said for it. So the third chapter then is uh, he talks about the, the golden circle, right? The uh, inside the circle is why, in the middle of the circle is is uh, how, and the outside is what. And he gives two examples. He talks about Apple a lot in the book, which is you know makes sense. It's one of the biggest companies in the world. But he also talks about Harley Davidson, right? Why is it that somebody will get a tattoo of a Harley Davidson logo on their arm? even if they don't own a Harley-Davidson motorbike. And it's because of what Harley-Davidson represents. They have a very strong why. When I have this tattoo on my arm, it means more than just the motorbike. It's a, it's a way of life almost. And as I was talking there, I'm thinking, Amazon is one of the biggest companies in the world now. Maybe it was it in 2009. Maybe not as big as it is now. It's still pretty huge now, I, I assume. Um, but do I feel a loyalty to Amazon? This is what I'm wondering as, I, as I'm talking. You know, Amazon isn't necessarily, what, what do they compete on? They, they compete on on uh, getting things to you quicker and having everything that, they, that you want. But if somebody else came along and had more tribalism or more, um, had, an, had like an Apple approach to things, would I, 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 will, I would drop Amazon in a second if, if I 
if there was a better alternative, but there just isn't. It's convenience, really. So maybe that'll be Amazon's downfall eventually. I know they own all the internet with their AWS and stuff as well, so maybe they're too big to fail at this stage, but I don't feel any allegiance to Amazon and all the stories that come out about the, you know the, how they treat their workers and all. But then I do... You do get a little kind of jolt of excitement when, when an Amazon package arrives. <laughs> Mainly because I can't remember what you bought. <laughs> Uh, for me, it's usually books, and I'm and I'm, I'm always uh, curious to see what what did what did I treat myself to because I genuinely can't remember most of the time. Just keep clicking. Um, yeah, but Amazon's an interesting one because they are one of the biggest companies in the world, if not the biggest. And I don't feel any allegiance to them. And I wonder, I wonder, will that be there? Will that will that be a downfall for them eventually? Will somebody else come along? Some guy in his garage come along and just have a way better way of doing things? But Hmm, interesting. He actually tells a story in the book as well about Walmart, right, about Sam Walton. When he first started Walmart, he was all about looking after his employees who would in turn look after their customers, who would in turn look after their, their shareholders. And, and that was his order of doing things. And he was a very kind of humble guy who, who drove like a, a, a beat-up uh, pickup truck to put his dogs in the back and stuff. And, um, you know, it was very much like a... a, a a blue collar worker who, who happened to make it big but when he died according to the author now walmart completely lost their way that they were all about maximizing profit and giving things to people for for cheaper and keeping the shareholders happy and and then you know there's still plenty of people who will go to walmart to, to buy their stuff to, to do whatever shopping they need to do but do they have any loyalty the way they would have had before or do the staff have any loyalty um, did the staff go above and beyond um, if they're getting treated quite badly? So there's a lot of, there's a lot of, what I liked about this book is the very simple message of start with why, right? Have a good reason why your company should exist in the first place. But I also liked the idea of being able then to look out into the world and think about companies and go, do they have a strong why? Why do they exist? Why do, um, why do I have a loyalty to a particular company for, you know, toothpaste? And then maybe I don't have a loyalty. Maybe it's just a habit that I go and I pick that one up. Um, it's it's an interesting way to start. Like as you're doing like the the weekly shopping, you know, going around uh, your local supermarket, and you start thinking, why do I always buy that one? Do I have any loyalty? Do they do they have a strong why, or are they all just about um, uh, making sure that I follow the habits that I've built with them? Are they are they trustworthy because they've been around a long time? Or because I think there's very few companies that actually have. A strong why. Um, I'm trying to build one. You may have noticed we use because. Um, and I, I, do you know what I'd, I'd like is to tell me if I, if you think, if we're heading in the road. My my whole point, right? I, what I was trying to do recently, actually, again, I always say this depends on your listeners. This you might be listening to this ten years from when I'm recording. But recently, what I've been looking at is, you know, what's the one sentence that sums up what use because is all about? Like, of course, we talk about books and we have toolkits to go along with the book, books to allow you to remember and then to deliberately practice what's in you know, some of these great books but really you know Tony Robbins is a great thing that he says and his business mastery course there's two questions that he asks the business owners he says what business are you in and the business I'm in is is I suppose it's a it's ed tech right it's um educational technology uh, or e-learning or books right you know whatever it's obvious what, what what business i'm in but the second question he asks is what business are you really in and and that's to me 
it marries up perfectly with what Simon Sinek says in this book, Start With Why, do you have a good reason for existing? So Tony Robbins' question is, uh, you know, what business are you really in? And to me, the business I'm really in is to help anyone who listens to this podcast or anyone who who has a go of and, and or uses the toolkits. So I, I genuinely want to help people find inner peace, right? That's, and it sounds mad when you say it out loud because you're 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 really only um, I'm just telling you about what's in books and then showing you how to go and practice it. But I think that the way I look at it is that these books are every book has an entire one person's lifetime learnings if not more uh contained within the pages and we read the book and we you know think that's interesting and we read the next one i think if you go and deliberately practice these things and either keep them or discard them you can you can start to move towards a sense of you know uh, inner peace right i don't know i don't know i don't know another way of saying it but it's it is like inner peace right it's uh I don't think I'm there. I don't think many people are there. It's what um, uh, Abraham Maslow would have called uh, uh, self-actualization to get to that point where you're like the Dalai Lama where you're just, you know, at one with the universe kind of thing. But I think the way I add my value to the world is um, is through this uh, just platform to use because so. I think I have a strong enough reason why, but I want you to tell me if you agree or disagree so you can, you can email me, right? It's Kevin at usebecause.com just tell me i don't know like it, what would you like to see more of or less of um do you think we have a strong reason why we exist of course we're still small startup and we're still building out our platform and, and all that um but everything that i do and say i'm always thinking about how does this help somebody learn something useful that they can apply to their lives so um anyway back to our regular back to our regular uh what's it they used to say back to our regular uh showing or, or programming or something the book start with why uh so he talks about the the this the golden circle right the 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 why the how and the what he says the what is that every single company um knows what they do right we we sell televisions we sell phones and um, we sell consultancy services whatever uh the how they do it they might through through value differentiators we have um you know i don't know buy buy one get one free or whatever the value differentiators are eh, and some of the times they work sometimes they don't but the why is what people buy into um and in his talk on ted and on youtube he gives the bad version of apple right he says that the bad the bad version of, of of what one of their adverts would be he says we make computers they're beautifully designed easy to use want to buy one and then he says the good version of that ad is we believe in challenging the status quo in everything that we do we do this by designing great easy to use products we happen to make computers do you want one and of course you can see the difference and and the second version there where we believe in challenging the status quo we we, we know that about apple without even having to think about it you know apple are all about course they're one of the biggest companies in the world now that's it's hard to say that they're they're the misfits but they still maintain that sense of um you know challenging and um and going after uh, different people whereas the bad version is all about oh we make computers they're really well designed and they're easy to use people don't care they, they want to know what they want to buy into why you do what you do right 
Um, and it is tribalism, right? People want to identify with a tribe. It's like emos and goths or, or uh, punks back in the day. Um, they they dress a certain way, even though they think they're being an individual, but really what they're doing is they're, they're joining a tribe. People don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. However, there has to be a correlation between your why and your what. Right? Dell Focus, Dell Computers, they focus on what they did. They entered the phone market and nobody gave a shit. Right? They, they, they probably made phones as good as anybody because they had the infrastructure, they had the, the geniuses in the background, the boffins right? making the, the, the phones. Nobody cared because they talked about what they did. They did it because they thought, do you know what it's like? It's like, a, it's like if Nike started selling crisps or potato chips for my American friends. Uh, imagine that, right? They could do it. Uh, they uh, they have definitely have the, the marketing power. They have the infrastructure in place, the distribution in place to do it. If Nike wanted to start selling crisps or potato chips, they could definitely do it, but they don't because it doesn't fit into their why. They're, they're all about that everybody in the world is an athlete. If you've ever read uh, Shoe Dog by, by Phil Knight, is that his name? I think. I don't know why I ask questions that I know nobody here can answer because you're, none of you are here. <laughs> I think it's Phil Knight. Phil Knight. Yeah, that sounds right. Shoe Dog is the book. I know about, all about Nike. His point was that everybody is uh, uh, an athlete, right? Everybody is, and you're ultimately kind of challenging yourself, I suppose, as you're, as you're uh, you know, trying to better yourself that's his way of helping people better themselves um so they don't sell crisps right they, because it just doesn't they don't have a good reason why why would they sell crisps they have no reason to sell crisps right same thing with dell they started making phones nobody cared right because i don't care it's like colgate who cares I'll just give me one right just give me one of the i'll take yours or i'll take the, the the next one i don't i don't really have a good reason to buy into into your product so if you have a strong why i think you might be unstoppable he tells a story then about um, the railroad companies in America who had made lots and lots of money and they focused on what they did. We lay railroad tracks and trains go on them and we make money. Um, if they had focused on why, right, um, we're all about, you know, connecting the world, right, on, on mass transportation. Um, when the airplanes came along, um, maybe they would have would have been an easy transition for them We're, rather than being bogged down with like well we make railroads that's all we do that's what they do why they do it should have been more about connecting people and then they would have went into the airline industry rather than going broke right other examples then you could you could argue against some of these and you've heard them all before but like um you know blockbuster were given the opportunity to to buy netflix now you might say well they just didn't see the opportunity in, in Netflix um, back in the day. But you could also focus on on the what. They, they were like, well, no, what we do is that we have shops and people come into the shops and they um, they rent um, videotapes and then they bring them back to us and it's a great business uh, model. If they'd focus on why they do it, like why does Blockbuster exist, it's to provide entertainment, then it would have been an easier jump to say, well, yeah, Netflix would be a good, a good idea um, to get stuck into that. HMV, the same. Uh, all about music. People come into our shops and they like flicking through the the, the CDs or the or the records, rather than saying we we connect artists and their fans. Right, that should have been their their thing, and then they they would have got in on Spotify or whatever it was. And Kodak then is another example. Uh, you know, they they are all about we make photographs or we uh, we print photographs. That's the, the the what they do. They really should have been about 
I don't know, we uh, we help people um, store their memories forever, right? I don't know. And then they would have been able to get into digital photography a lot quicker, uh, a lot better, and would not have gone broke. Um, the biggest challenge, Sean, this kind of, all of those things lead on to what he talks about in the next chapter, which is, uh, um, this is not opinion, this is biology, is what the chapter is called. And he says, and this is true, like I, I've said this many, many times. There was, there was one time years ago, uh, before before my wife and I had kids, we, we, we she wanted to go into the shop to get a, a bottle of water and I I think I was driving and I pulled up and she came out with a bottle of Lucozade. And I said, I thought you wanted water because oh, it was on, uh, you know, it was on sale or something or whatever, whatever her reason was. She made the, uh, she, she probably, she, she may or may not have been hung over. I can't, I can't, can either confirm nor deny that. It was before kids, like I said, so good chance. Uh, there might have been a drink taken the night before, but um, she doesn't listen to this. We're fine. Um, uh, yeah, so the, the bottle of water versus a bottle of Lucozade. You make decisions, you make buying decisions emotionally, and then you justify it with logic afterwards. So even if somebody goes into a shop to buy a bottle of water and they come out with a bottle of Lucozade, in that moment, in that split second, where they made that decision, it was an, it was the limbic part of the brain, the emotional part of the brain, that made that decision, and then you back it up afterwards with uh, with logic. You, you kind of like layer the logic on afterwards, and that's why people buy into why you do something because it talks to the limbic system and it talks to the emotional part of your brain. So he tells a story again in this book about um, laundry detergent or what we would call washing powder here in Ireland. Uh, the companies were always back at, this is probably, I suppose, back in the 50s or 60s, they were always competing on making your clothes cleaner. But what they've realised afterwards is that people wanted to feel clean. Right? You could talk You could talk about all the, the, at an atomic level, how clean something is. It doesn't talk to the, to the emotional parts of the brain because people wanted to feel clean. And what they realise is that if they focus on how the, how the laundry smells, people feel clean. It's like when you put clean sheets on your on your bed and you get into the bed and you get that 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 it's it's just it's just laundry detergent or washing powder uh, you're smelling, but the sheet it just feels cleaner, right? It's because it's that smell has gone straight to the to the limbic system, straight to the emotional part of your brain, and it's it's a really interesting concept once you understand how you're being manipulated when you go into shops and um, you look at ads on the telly. Um, you know when you see the ads on the telly where they talk and some ads say they're I do what's the name of it it's uh there's some company that does ads on the, t- the telly the TV um like this is this is boring to listen to but I can't remember what the name of it is but they it's like a pink background and they 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 show how their detergent is way better than the other detergent because the stain has completely disappeared that's interesting because the ads that the, the, the well-established brands are the ones where somebody takes the, the washing out of the, the washing machine or out of the dryer and buries their face in it and smells it. Do you know what's a great ad as well? The one where the, there's a bed in the middle of a park and people get into the bed and they, they're smelling the sheets and the pillows and everything. And that's that's interesting compared to like the ones where they talk about the stains disappearing. Um, interesting concept. Interesting, interesting to see the difference in them. This is what I love about these books that, that we talk about on this podcast. 
and the people that we interview, uh, the the it opens your eyes to how the world works or how to, how advertising works or how um, human psychology works. It's um, it's a very interesting thing. And then also, hopefully, what you're getting from this particular episode is the the idea that the business you own, the business you work in, the team you lead. Do you have a strong enough why? Is there a good enough reason why your your company exists or why your your um, your team does what it does? There's a great story told in the book as well about Continental Airlines, who were considered to be the worst in history, right? Um, of of airlines, and this this lad came in, Gordon uh, Bethune, I think Beth Bethune. I don't know how you pronounce his name. And he was like Sam Walton. He believed that if you have happy employees, you'll have happy customers. And if you have happy customers, then you've got ha- happy shareholders in that order. And he, they, Continental Airlines went from losing 600 million in one year to having a profit of 250 million in a year. And it came down to trust. And what he realized is that when he started in the company as a CEO, that the executive floor was locked, right? Um, there were, uh, you know, locked off to themselves nobody could get near them and there was also cameras everywhere so that people felt like they were being checked the whole time and he just did away with all of that and it's like any good company these days is all about um the open door policy and having access to to whoever you need to have access to um and what he actually removed 39 of the top 60 uh executives who are basically not on board with his new way of doing things uh, one of their biggest issues, Continental Airlines, according to Simon Sinek, was that they uh, they were always late, right? Their their planes arrived late, they left late, and he said for every time we're in the top five for being on time, every single employee will get a, a, a check for sixty five dollars, and so what that did is it kind of it, it created this tribe of. Um, of uh, we're the best and we're, we're, we're striving to be the best but from a mathematical point of view all of that lateness was costing them lots and lots of money in, in I don't know in, in refunds or in fines for being late or whatever and uh, so paying everyone $65 for every time they're in the top five they actually save money and what they did or what the, the CEO insisted that they do is that everybody got that $65 um, that $65 in a separate check than their paycheck so they could they could be specific as to why you're getting the sixty-five dollars. I thought that was brilliant. Is that this is a separate payment? The reason you're getting this payment is because of um, being on time. So, um, any company that can do that, that can give employees a higher sense of purpose, they'll be able to weather the storms, right? Because we're all in this together. I one of the things I always think about any job I've ever worked in is that what I really want to do is I want to. I want to solve interesting problems with good people. And it doesn't really matter what the company does, what what the 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 how or the what is. I want to know why. Why are we doing this? Like why why are we why do we need to solve this problem? And I think that's a, a good way to look at, at leading a team is that uh, I want to solve interesting problems with good people. So think about that. Think about how you can how you can uh, and to be honest, that's easier said than done for a team, I think. Um not that easy to give a team uh, a strong wife, especially if it's not coming from from the top down. It can be it can be dicey. So uh, I've kind of skipped. I haven't I haven't told you about the different parts of the book. Let me just go back there and tell you. Um, so part one was um, a world that doesn't start with why. Uh, part two is an alternative perspective. Part three is leaders need a following. And that was a story about um, uh, Continental Airlines and um, what they did. 
Um, part four then is how to rally those who believe, right? You have to start with why, and if you were to have a sequel to that book, you would probably call it, but know how, right? No point knowing why we exist. We need to actually put it into practice. He gives the example of uh, Steve Boller versus, is it Boller or Bollimer? Um, Bollimer, I think his name was, the guy who took over from Bill Gates as the CEO of Microsoft, who was um, high energy, whereas Bill Gates is absolutely not high energy. But Bill Gates, um, where Steve, Steve Bollimer, Boller, Bollimer, I don't know, um, he can get people excited. Bill Gates actually inspires people. And he says that charisma has nothing to do with energy, but, you know, shouting and roaring and screaming and sweating on stage. Charisma really comes from a clarity of of why, of why the company exists or, or why you all should do this work. If you want to know more about that, there's a, there's a book we covered on the podcast called Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. He talks all about um, giving your team a good reason why, why we're doing this in the first place. And he says that charisma commands loyalty and energy doesn't which is 100% true. So like energy will kind of get people pumped for a presentation, but then once the presentation is over, are they actually going to take it forward? So in this book, Start With Why, he says the charisma commands loyalty. Energy doesn't. So your why will bring people to your company. Um, and he talks about Walt Disney. Um, I'm actually reading a book at the moment about Walt Disney that is called, uh, I have it here, The Triumph of the American Imagination. Um, by Neil Gabler. Heavy book, right? There's a lot in it. I've been reading for about a year now because I keep um, getting distracted by other books, but still reading it. And it's an interesting, it's an interesting book on Walt Disney. And you know, he could not have cared less about money. Really, he wanted to create this um, this fantasy world, basically, where like we all take it for granted these days, like whether it's Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck or whatever. But he created all those from nothing, and people had never seen anything like this before. Where you know, a, a, a hybrid between a human and an animal. People had never seen it. They'd never seen this, the vibrancy in the animation, um, the the cartoonish qualities of somebody, you know, falling off a cliff and bouncing back up, that kind of thing. He kind of invented all of those things. And uh, it was his desire to create this, this, uh, this fantasy world for kids, right? And for adults as well. That was his why. But his brother Roy needed to be there the whole time to watch the money. And, and in the book, you'll, you, if you ever read it, you'll, you'll see that there's, like they got on very well, but there was a constant kind of, Walt, you can't, we don't have the money to do that. He goes, I don't care, we're doing it, that kind of thing. Like he, Once you have your reason why, you need somebody around you to help you with the how and the what. And um, he talks a lot about Steve Jobs and, and uh, Steve Wozniak as well. So if you don't know, Steve Wozniak was the guy who actually invented the Apple computer. Steve Jobs is the guy who sold it. So Jobs couldn't write code, couldn't create hardware. Wozniak was the guy who did it all. Um, so Woz was the how and, and Steve Jobs was the, the why. So you know why and you know how and then what? Well, you have to know what you actually do then. So there's a, there's a chapter on, on what you do, like on, on what the product is. And of course he has to, in the book, he has to touch on that, but um, not a huge amount for us to learn there, I don't think. Towards the end of the book then, in part five, he talks about the, and this is interesting, the biggest challenge is success when the why goes fuzzy, right? It's like uh, HMV and Blockbuster and Kodak. Uh, the the why starts to go fuzzy and could you even say it about Google these days? Google have so many irons in the fire and um, they started off with wanting to organise the, the world's information but now why do they exist? Why why does uh, you know Google is a, is a behemoth of a company but 
could you say could 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 any of us really say what their why is why they exist maybe maybe we could um i'm struggling to to know why google exists i know like there's other um search engines out there um you know i i use google for for use because i use, I use google drive but and I, and I do, do I feel like I'm part of a tribe of Google? Like I, the reason I like Google is that it works, right? When I do it on my laptop and then go to my phone, it's immediately synced, everything is there. Would I swap if I, if something better came along? Am I pot committed? I don't know, I don't know. Um, and the reason I'm asking is because Google have gotten so big, they, their why was very strong to begin with. Is it as strong now with them stretched across so many different types of businesses and so many different uh, products? Interesting. Same in Amazon. Um, what? What was? He, I think he. I think. I think Jeff Bezos just wanted to get riches. <laughs> I don't know if there was any more reason than that. I could be totally wrong, of course, but I'm um, open to uh, to correction on that. Um, interesting. So anyway, in this in this section of the book, in this chapter, uh, uh, when Y goes fuzzy, he talks about Sam Walton, right, of um, Walmart fame, uh, who wanted to serve people. And uh, and that that really got lost when he died. Like his kids are all multi billionaires who don't know what a hard day's work is. So how could they ever possibly drive it forward? I had a thought the other day when I was reading this book about um, charities. I think should have you should have a, a if you just set up a charity, you should have a timeline. And I think maybe for some businesses as well that you know we're going to do this for 20, 30, 40 years, whatever it's going to be. And after that, no matter what, whether I'm alive or dead, this company must cease to exist because the why will start to get fuzzy. Somebody else can take up the mantle. Somebody else can do do the next bit. But um, I think Michael J. Fox has something about Parkinson's disease. Once that's cured, his business, his uh, uh, charity will 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 be wound down. Like they exist purely to, to solve Parkinson's and nothing else. And I, I did see something the other day. There was some... I can't remember what I was watching, but there was something like about how charities they start to get a board of directors, and you know everyone's getting a nice, uh, nice salary from salary from themselves, and they start to morph into other things. Then, and the the original why is lost. It's I just I just I wonder should there be if I was to set up a charity or if, um, I think about use because as well should should I put a, a definite timeline on timeline on it where. You know, after thirty or forty years of this, no matter what, it has to be wound down. I don't know. I think I think the why does get lost, no, ma no matter no matter what, because the person who starts the business eventually leaves or exits, and then somebody else comes in and, and they're like a career CEO or their their focus is different or um, it's a very very difficult baton I think to hand to somebody else the the baton of um of why. Um. Anyway, that's that's my story there with that. He talks about um, uh, a conference he was invited to called Gathering of Titans, which is <laughs> quite a uh, quite a name. But I, I think it's like all you know, biggest business people in the world are invited to this uh, the summit, this conference thing. And um, he was asked to give a speech. This is the the author Simon Sinek, and he asked them um, how many of them had reached their financial goal, their own personal financial target of you know being whatever amount rich, and eighty percent of them said that they had but that they didn't feel successful. The bigger their companies got, the more they lost their reason why they existed in the first place. And it makes a great point about these, these people at the, the Gathering of Titans, is that an achievement comes from reaching the what, 
success comes from getting the why. He says the passion alone is not enough. There must be a how behind the why. Passion needs structure to survive, but structure needs passion to grow. Hey, before you go, just a quick message about usebecause.com and what we're all about. We believe that true learning happens when you understand, remember, and deliberately practice your newly acquired knowledge. So with that in mind, you can get access to our purpose-built learning tools to help you do just that. To really embed the knowledge from this episode, take a look at the interactive summary that goes along with it. And then use the action log to set a time and a date to go out into the big bad world and deliberately practice the key takeaways from this episode. You do all that and you get yourself a certificate of completion. So try all our tools for all of our episodes, free for a month, you can cancel any time. For all of this and all of the podcast episodes, head over to usebecause.com. Until next time. Mm-hmm.